Thank you, Matt, for those songs. Those are so encouraging, inspiring to to me, and I know this congregation as well this morning. Let me begin in this way. Jesus has been watching. Jesus has been watching this man for some time now. And as Jesus watches, he is rightfully disturbed by what he's seeing. He is seeing in this man's life a significant and dramatic anti-Christian behavior. And like I said, he, he, he should be disturbed by this, Jesus should be, because this man has taken it upon himself to systematically Uh, persecute and attempt to destroy Jesus' followers wherever he can find them. And because of that, because of what Jesus sees, it's now time for Jesus to do something about it. Well, Jesus pierces the veil. Between heaven and earth, Jesus comes down and he pierces the veil and he essentially burst into uh, this man's life. He burst on the scenes as this man is traveling down a road headed for the city of Damascus. And it's this moment in which Jesus burst on the scene. It's sort of, as you're looking at it in your mind's eye, it appears that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that as he begins to detail and, and, and accuse this man of the wrong that he's been doing, and as he blinds him temporarily, It appears and it seems very clear that quite possibly this is going to be this this man's last day upon the earth. Maybe even as the angels are watching from heaven above and they're seeing Jesus descend down upon this man. Maybe they too are looking they're going, "Uh uh-oh. This offender is going to probably breathe his last this day. Maybe that's what the angels are seeing. And I'd have to think, too, that this man, as these things are happening to him, and as Jesus is approaching him and burst into his life in such a dramatic way, maybe he's thinking this is his last day as well. But here's what happens. Instead of experiencing Jesus' power of judgment, this man will experience a different power. This man will experience the power of grace. Instead of condemnation, instead of punishment, which would be right in this situation for this man who has been this violent aggressor against God's people, against the church, even though that would be right, and within the judgment power of Jesus, Saul receives something else. Saul receives grace 
upon grace. And, and Chris introduced us to this as he, he talked from the Gospel of John last week and introduced this series about the power of grace. And, and he told us, you see, Jesus came into this world not to destroy, but he came in order that he might give grace upon grace. And as we look into this man's life, what we see is that saving grace of God raining down, pouring out in his life where judgment would have been fitting. This grace, saving grace, in a moment of likely retribution, has all of a sudden been turned into a moment of redemption. That's the grace of God. That's the saving grace of Jesus. You see, this story that I've sort of paraphrased here, the story of the conversion of Saul, Saul of of Tarsus that you can find in Acts chapter 8 and in other passages of Scripture, I think for me it is maybe the most or one of the most amazing and awesome examples of the power of saving grace at work within a person's life. Maybe in, in the New Testament, as I look, and I look at all the saving grace in the New Testament that gets poured out over and over and over again in people's lives, I think maybe it is much more amazing here as I look and I understand who Saul actually was. And as I think and as I appreciate that saving grace that has been poured out in his, his life, I'm telling you that Saul will spend the rest of his life being thankful for and appreciating the great grace, the saving grace of God that has been shown to him. Later on in his life, as he is writing to one of his fellow workers in Christ, he, he, he has this to say, as, as we hear him having been transformed from Saul, the persecutor of the church, to Paul, the apostle of Christ, listen to his great appreciation for the saving power and the saving grace of Jesus. He said, even though I was formerly a, a, a blasphemer, listen to this, listen to how, how he admitted admits who he was. And even though I was a persecutor, and even though I was a violent aggressor or a violent man, he says, yet I was shown mercy. <laughs> I was shown mercy because I acted in unbelief. And the grace of the Lord, catch this, was more than abundant. That's grace upon grace. He says, the grace of the Lord was more abundant with faith and love which are found in Jesus Christ. This morning, as we launch out into this second lesson in this series titled, The Power of Grace... Obviously, right here in the beginning, I'm trying to get us to see and, and zone in on the saving grace that not simply has come into the power of Saul, but that we know has come into our uh, 
uh, into Saul's life, but the power of saving grace that's come into your life and has come into my life. But I want to take a little turn here. You know, I'm, i got to do that little twist. I want us to sort of tweak the lens a little bit, and I want to understand that there is another facet of grace involved here. There's another aspect, maybe another layer, another nuance of, uh, of grace, power of grace that we want to and we need to see right here in this moment in Saul's life. And let me put it to you, and let me say it this way. What we're looking at and what we're trying to see here this morning is that saving grace always comes with blessing grace. Now, you'll understand this a little more as we go along. But saving grace always comes with blessing grace. The saving grace, at the moment saving grace comes into Saul's life, at that very same moment, Blessing grace comes as well. Saving grace wasn't the only aspect of grace's power that Paul appreciated in his life. As you listen to Paul, and he'll say this in a number of different ways, but as you listen to him in Scripture, he was equally appreciative how grace had positioned him to reach beyond himself and bless others in a very special way. Yes, Jesus had reached down into his life and graced him with, with salvation. But at the same moment, Jesus had reached down in his life and also graced him with the power to bless others as well. And, and that's what he's going to spend his entire life doing. Listen to how he explains how he's been graced in this way. He says, I was made a minister. Watch. I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me according to the working of his power. To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given, now here it is, to preach the, to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of, of, of Christ. You see, what Paul is saying here, and what we're realizing is Paul definitely, definitely loves saving grace. The saving grace has come to him through his faith in Jesus. But as you listen to him, he is deeply appreciative of the blessing grace that has also come his way. Through his faith in Jesus Christ. While he loves saving grace, he also loved blessing grace, the grace that uh, of being called, of being made a minister by Christ to bless others by telling them of the unfathomable riches that can be found in Jesus Christ. Riches that you and I and the world who have heard the gospel message believe and have taken to heart and give thanks for each and every day. Amen. He has been made a minister. He has been given the grace of reaching out and blessing others with the message of Christ. So, as you see that, and when you see how Paul deeply appreciates that and loves that blessing, blessing grace, what you're going to realize and see here this morning is that he wants us. He wants you. And he wants me. To appreciate and deeply love blessing grace that's in our lives as well. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. This is going to be our text this morning. 
Romans chapter 12, and we'll begin in verse 3. Now, I want you to follow, follow his train of thought here and, and, and listen to him as he begins to unfold this idea of blessing grace. He says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, put yourself in the picture here, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So, in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belong, uh, belongs to all the others. Verse 6, here he's getting into the blessing part. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, then let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's in showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. You see, Paul is, is unveiling and he's unwrapping in front of his audience here this idea of what blessing grace looks like, especially through giftedness. Paul is urging these Christians and, and, and us, he's urging us today to realize and to embrace the blessing grace that God has given us. To understand and to get in the grip and get in the heart of this privilege that we have been given to be able to reach out beyond ourselves and to bless others in powerful ways through the gifts of grace that God has given to us. Now then, I realize, I know, that we talk often about giftedness in this congregation. We talk about gifts in Christ. But I have to say this, I have to admit that probably I, and especially Bill, especially Bill, have been guilty <laughs> of maybe making this idea of giftedness a little bit more difficult than what it is. So here's what I want us to do this morning, is I want us to follow Paul and let him tell us about this blessing grace that real is realized in our giftedness and see if he can't just say it very simply for us to understand this morning. The first thing he's going to tell us in this idea of blessing grace is, is that gifts are given according to our faith. Like, think about it. Like the saving grace, we know, the Cameron, we know this, that the saving grace that comes into our lives is as a result of, of faith, the faith that we have. But what he's saying here in two different points in this passage of Scripture 
is that this blessing grace has also come into our lives and been given to us based on our faith as well. Our faith is the hub, is the center of how he blesses us with this giftedness. As we continue to allow God to shape our hearts and our minds, here's what he's doing. As we continue to allow him to grow us, he is continually maturing our faith. And when I say faith there, I'm not just talking about, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, I believe in God, but, but the, uh, the faith that he's talking about here, Brad, is, 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 is deeper. It's, it's that type of faith that grows, that, that sees deeply and, and, and is insightful into the purpose and the will of God in our lives and other people's lives. That's what happens to us as we spend time with God. And he's saying what's happening here is that each one of us have been given a measure of faith. Or in other words, each one of us are in different positions or have different kinds of uh, faith development and maturity in our lives. And it's according to that faith that he calls us to bless others. He's not asking us to bless others with a faith that we don't have. He's not assigning us and, and, and asking us to go out and, and, and do things that's not fitting with our faith or incongruent with our faith, but he looks into us, he sees us, he knows exactly what our faith is, and he's saying, you go live and you go act on that faith. Let me give you an example. If this morning we had someone baptized into Christ, and they're, and they're new converts, and they're, they're brought up out of the baptistry, and, and God looked at them and said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out there, and I want you to start teaching people the deep, deep truths of Scripture. And that person would go, uh, what? <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I believe in Jesus, and I'm really growing in Jesus, and I'm really excited about Jesus, but I, I, I'm not really sure I understand 90% of what's in the Old Testament. Amen. I'm not sure I understand that. I'm not sure I'm understanding even uh, all of the great implications of Christ's sacrifice for, for the future. I, I, I don't understand it. You see, God's not going to do that. God's not going to come to someone with a, 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 a beginning measure of faith and say, what I need you to do is I need you to get out there and do something big. But what he does is, is he looks into your life. He looks into my life and he sees the faith that we have and he just simply graces us assigns us and gifts us according to that faith. But here's what else he does. Here's how it happens. Not only do these gifts come to us by God according to our faith, but they also seem to be consistent with God-given abilities. He's going to start here in, in, in verses, what, 6 through 8. And he's going to start listing out all of these types of gifts he's been talking about. Prophecy and serving and teaching. And, so, and he's going to go on. Just, those are just some examples. 
But what he's doing as he does that, he's helping us to see and look within ourselves and recognize abilities that we have to be able to carry out and use our faith and help others in spiritual need or in needs of their lives. Now listen to how he does this. And, and as you do, think about yourself, and I'm going to point to you and, and point to me. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I'm looking out here in this audience this morning, and what I see is that there are some of you out here this morning that have the ability to understand scriptures in these deep ways and thus able to prophesy. Now, don't, don't get thrown off by that word. Kevin, we know that prophecy looks a lot of different ways, and in its simplest form, it's just to speak God's Word. It's just to speak out and speak for God in some powerful ways. And some of you have been studying and have come to some understandings and and realizations about God that allows you in particular moments to speak out about the will of God into other people's lives. And what God is saying to you, if that is who you are, then what I want you to do is go and bless someone else. Okay? But he goes on, he says, as some of you have some abilities, I mean, you have some talents, and you have some skills, and you have some particular training in your life that the rest of us don't have, and because of that, you have the ability to reach out into people's lives and start to help them, to serve them in ways that can relieve burdens. And can help them in moments of need. And if you have those skills and if you have have those abilities, then God's saying, I I just want you to reach out and bless someone with that gift. But maybe you've spent time and you have the ability to to look into Scripture. And and again, you're seeing and you're comprehending God's Word in, in, in good and strong ways. And you have the ability to take and turn what you're learning from Scripture and, and, and teach that. And people understand that and they comprehend that and they grow from that. And, and, and he's saying, for you, what I'm asking you to do is just reach out and teach. Teach someone and bless someone with that gift that has been given to you. Or maybe it's encouraging that you have this, and we all know these people, and they're, and they're, they're, they're angels sent from God. They have the ability to walk into our lives when we're hurting the most. And they're able to speak inspiring and motivating words into our lives to help us as we're struggling physically or spiritually or emotionally. And what God's saying to you is, I just want you to take that and go out here and bless someone else. What a blessing, what a gift. But, but then he talks about those who have the opportunity not only to encourage but to give. Some, some of us have been blessed with more. I say that financially speaking. We've been blessed with more. And we have the ability to give liberally to those who are in need. And if we have more, if we've been blessed in that way, he's just saying, please get out there and gift and bless someone else. Or, or what about leading? He, he's saying that some of us have the ability to see wisely the road ahead. We have the ability to strategize and, and to put in order what, what needs to be done. We're, we're, we're leaders. 
And he's saying to you, if you have the ability to lead, then get out there and bless somebody by leading them. And it might be an individual, but it might be Christ Church here at Sunset. Bless them with that ability. And then finally he says, some may have, some of you here, and I know many of you, have this ability and you're just overflowing with compassion and empathy for people who have been disenfranchised, maybe hurt and abused and betrayed by others. And you have this ability to come in and to show them mercy and to refresh their spirits and give them a sense of worth and value again. If that's you, God's just saying, gift somebody, bless somebody with the gift that you have been given. You see, quite simply, the message that Paul has been saying here, that I'm saying this morning, is that saving grace always comes with blessing grace. Think of it this way. God gave you and God gave me Jesus so that we could experience the power of Jesus' saving grace. But here's the truth. Bob, God gave me you, and he gave you me, so that we could experience together the power of blessing grace. That we could help and encourage and motivate each other and others based on whatever God is putting into our lives, based on our faith. And based on our abilities that he sees within us. You see, if, if we love saving grace, we have to love blessing grace just as much. Because that's who God has created us to be. So here's my encouragement. Let's love grace. Let's really love grace. And, and when we say, and we really love grace... We're not just simply loving saving grace, but we're loving blessing grace. And we're eager and we're thankful to show grace to others by blessing them through our faith and through our abilities. Let's love grace. We sing the wonderful grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin. We sing amazing grace. And oftentimes as we sing those songs, we're only thinking of saving grace. But this morning I want us to see and remember that the wonderful grace of Jesus is the grace to bless others as well. As I said, I wanted to make this as simple as possible. And I know you're looking at me and some are saying, well, you failed. That may be true. Give me one more shot right here at the end. What I'm saying, what Paul is saying, what God is saying to us this morning is simply this. Pour. 
just poor. You see, we are these pitchers. We are these vessels that God has poured so much into. He has poured all of these blessings and all of these abilities and all of this faith into us. And all he's asking us to do is to turn around and pour. Pour that out in each other's lives so that we can strengthen and encourage each other in our walk of faith. So this week, the encouragement after all said and done, just go pour. Just go pour. This morning, I hope that you have received the saving grace of Jesus by faith. As you've confessed his name as Lord, you've repented of your sins, and you put him on in baptism. I hope you've done that, but if you have it, today is the day to get saving grace. But remember, as you do, and as you go forward, you will have the blessing grace of Jesus as well in your lives. Matt, let's stand and sing.